Hey everyone, this is episode 12 of the Uncivilized Podcast. I'm Brady. Art is here with us as well. We do have a very special guest for you today. Everyone's favorite and prim uncle on the internet and my favorite person on the internet in general, Feral Meme, is stopping by as well. So I'll let Feral Meme introduce himself. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, other than being stuck in my fucking house once again, it's pretty good. Art, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm stuck in my house. I'm behind in my homework. I should be working on a 10-page essay right now, but here I am. So. <laughs> devoted. See, we're devoted to this podcast, people. We may only upload once a month, but we mean it. <laughs> when that episode does come out, you know I was probably avoiding doing actual productive work. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So yeah, I mean, Farrell, you're joining us today. Um, we didn't really have anything planned out other than talking about sort of uh, the anti-tech movement and meme culture, sort of your journey to where you are now. I mean, you can kind of just start off wherever you are if you want to give us a quick introduction of yourself, who you are, what you do. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so I mean, right now, uh, I run Feral Meme Instagram uh, and a much less used Feral Meme Twitter. Uh, started them about two years ago uh, to make, yeah, uh, like, anti less political, but like anti-tech com like content, basically. Um, I had been doing a bunch of other like uh, anti-tech creative projects over the years and had become really interested in meme culture after the 2016 election uh, and just kind of watching how that all played out and how they're like this kind of cool very like limited uh propaganda or art form i guess where you have you you have so little uh room to like flesh out an idea that you have to like really figure out how to pull from uh like already common tropes you know i'll i'll i'll, I'll rewind a little bit and then we'll get to that later but uh yeah so i i started as like an anti-war and like food not bombs type like activist uh, in the early 2000s and then pretty quickly fell in with like earth firsters um, and like animal rights folks uh, and <clears throat> around 2008 uh, moved down to North Carolina and got involved with well help, like helped to resurrect uh, an earth first chapter there and uh, spent the next eight years doing like anti-genetically engineered tree campaigns and anti-fracking stuff. And uh, also like had this uh, puppet troupe that uh, did like anti-tech and anti-prison uh, puppet shows and kind of like toured all over the country with those. It's kind of like, 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 like the punk band format, um, yeah. except that like none of us were talented musicians uh, <laughs> and, and we preferred like comedy uh, to to loud music. Um, I mean, we all came out of the punk rock background, but we were also like all in our mid twenties or early thirties by that point. Yeah. Uh, I guess also stuff that you'd mentioned me touching on, like uh, graffiti was always like a big thing for me growing up, like pretty much since middle school. Uh, and so like at different points I've done like stenciling or like wall scrawling or like, big bubbly letter type throw up stuff uh usually around like anti-tech uh or environmental or like anti-police brutality ideas and yeah so after i guess in in mm, 
like 2014, 2015, I became pretty burned out on the like in-person anarchist. Well, not just the in-person, but like the whole like anarchist milieu um, and kind of like left that and uh, the, the puppet troupe had ended and I decided I didn't really want to work with other people on projects anymore. Uh, and so moved to doing uh, stand-up comedy and uh, initially didn't work that many like anti-tech ideas into that just because uh, around that time I was like, I had, I had moved to Pittsburgh um, and I was doing comedy and it was like going pretty well. Um, like I was getting shows like on, on a weekly basis and like another comic was starting to take me out on tour. Uh, and I had like done a little mini tour of my own with another comic as well. And, uh, but I, like, I wasn't happy. Like I was still, I was still bummed out kind of all the time. And I was like, well, if, if I'm doing well with like the main thing that I'm doing and I'm still unhappy, like that, that sucks. Um, and, and yeah, around that time I had read this book called Lost Connections by Johan Hari, uh, about like depression and kind of how like the structure of our society, uh, produces depression, not chemical imbalances. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. the structure of our society produces chemical imbalances that produce depression, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like, cause I'd been reading a bunch of different stuff, uh, about the human brain for some of the comedy content that I was creating. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I, I came to the conclusion, which I feel like I had known earlier in life, but in my like rejection of like radical subculture and anarchism had like forgotten and left behind, but which is just that like, you need to be outside a lot to not get depressed. Yeah. Uh, and people that are not outside a lot, I think suffer from anxiety and depression a lot more. I, I, I've come to think of like the human brain a lot more like I think of the human body, you know, where like people say they do like this and don't like that or whatever. But like you can say you don't like fruit, you know, but like you'll still get fucking scurvy without vitamin C. Uh, and yeah. it doesn't matter whether you think you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I kind of feel the same way about like being outdoors, you know, like people talk about themselves like indoor and outdoor people. But it's like if you don't spend some time in the woods and like make eye contact and have like human touch regularly like you're going to be like oxytocin deficient and and like have dopamine uh you know abnormalities and stuff and like you're gonna have fucking problems yeah i remember i wrote a paper in at my community college a few years ago about that and i, I it was something about not only being outdoors but being outdoors being engaged with a small group of people which hmm, that sounds a lot like you know the last 200,000 years of human evolution. And then of course there could be no correlation there, nothing at all, but that it directly benefits mental health. And I think that when people try to separate the body and mind, like for example, how you said, you know, you like to, to liken health of the body to the health of the mind. They're, they're not disconnected. The, the mind is part physical, right? The brain, everything that happens with the brain relates to your mental state. So I think when people, I think it's like this weird sort of like people try to separate the brain from the rest of the body. You know what I mean? And I think that leads yeah. to a lot of incorrect positions about like mental health. And I think that's a good point, like being outdoors and being engaged with other people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I basically, uh, in discovering that I was wildly unhappy, despite comedy going well and like having like, you know, not a great, but like a stable job that I could bike to, which like a flat bike ride to work in Pittsburgh is like fucking unheard of. So I had stayed at this one job probably longer than I should have already. 
uh, just because the commute was so easy. But so I, I quit my job and I quit comedy and I got a job like working out in the forest. Um, and so I needed to find a new way to like create anti-tech content. And I guess like when I say need, I just mean like when I read things like articles about new types of surveillance and stuff like that, like I think a lot about them, you know? And so mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I don't have some way to create content about them, I'll just talk at length to people about them uh, in this way that's probably off-putting. Uh, you know, and so like that's why comedy was great for me because it's like when I would read something, I would just like turn it over in my mind again and again and like build like a, a bit about it, you know, and then like try to like okay. work that into my thing uh, instead of just like word vomiting at people at work about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Totally. Um, and so I, I kind of feel like creating creating content around that stuff is a really big part of like my my social and personal balance. But yeah. So I, I, I had never really been like a social media person prior to doing comedy, like up through 2015, I didn't have any social media um, and was like one of the more obnoxious people in my friend group about like people not posting pictures of me on social media or anything like that. Uh, but I pretty quickly discovered that like you needed Facebook messenger to get booked on basically any show uh, no one exchange tele- no one exchanges telephone numbers anymore. They're just like yeah, get at me on Facebook. Uh, it's almost considered like this extra layer of privacy. Anyway, so I had gotten a Facebook, and then you know I had gotten a Twitter, and 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 this is also one of my least favorite things about doing comedy was like I went from having no social media presence to running a Twitter, an Instagram, a Facebook, and a YouTube channel, uh, kind of like overnight, and so like partially like became like went from being very not online to like extremely online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, and, and again, that was around the time of the 2016 election. So I kind of watched that like deluge, the, the, the meme war as the, the right puts it or whatever. Um, and had become like really fascinated with, it. like had followed it pretty closely um, because I'm always like interested in new cultural stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I think like once I was out in the woods and like couldn't do comedy or anything like that, like doing a meme page kind of seemed like the next, the next logical step. And, and I, at that point I hadn't really seen any like Kaczynski memes, um, or like anti-tech memes outside of like Amprim ball style (laughs) stuff that was like really (laughs) underwhelming to me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, initially, like, I didn't even really focus on doing, like, high-quality memes. I was just trying to, like, crank out, like, bulk content that people could, like, modify or whatever, but just, like, kind of, like, creating a space for it. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to carve out your own space, especially with the the philosophy or the belief system. There's There's very little online presence, even to this day, for this type of content. I know people find our, our podcast and they see things like your, your meme page or uh, various other platforms that people use to spread our ideas. And they're like, wow, that's weird. Why are you here? Shouldn't you just be out in the woods? Why are you using a cell phone? Why do you have a YouTube channel? So yeah, I definitely totally. do see the need for that sort of online space and sort of digging out your own presence in the online sphere. There was yeah, one and- thing. 
There was real quick. There's one thing you said in a comment section, Pharaoh. Like this is probably like a year, two years ago. Someone said, "Why aren't you? Why do you use your phone or like Instagram to propagate this ideology?" And you're like, "Because I'm not gonna go to the mall and hand out fucking posters or something like that." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the perfect way to not be the dude on the street corner screaming. Like you can just post <laughs> all of your shit on Instagram and not be that dude next to the. Uh, next to the Waffle House at three in the morning screaming about how computers are going to kill all of us, you know? Well, and, and, and to be honest, like, like doing comedy and puppet shows and stuff, like I'm pretty comfortable being the guy like in real life screaming about that stuff. I just, I, people don't congregate the way they used to. So it's like, where is the, like, you know, I mean, like, like I, I spent lots of time, like when I lived in North Carolina, like tabling at the university that I didn't even go to, like, I was totally one of those just, like, non-student people who would show up in the quad with, like, a fucking table full of wingnut literature and, like, have conversations with people all day. Um, you know, and I, like, I am pretty comfortable in that, but I, I also just feel like, yeah, like, there's increasingly less and less of those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I, I kind of like the fact that, like, like, I, I like the fact that it, it is a tech space, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. if you want to talk to people who are spending too much time online and might, and it might be like adversely affecting their lives, like Instagram is a good place to go to find those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do notice that like people check on and off of there a lot. And so it's like hard to like maintain long lasting relationships, but just as far as like, like, dropping someone on like something on someone that might like contextualize some feeling that they've been having. Uh, I think it's a really great space to do that. You know, it's like, like in, in the early two thousands, like you would have gone to the mall and like handed out flyers or whatever, if you were protesting the mall, like, right. Like a lot of like buy nothing day protests or whatever. And, and yeah, to me, like when people are like, isn't it weird that you're on Instagram? I'm like, no, it's like handing out buy nothing day flyers at a mall. Like you go to the place that you're that's protesting for lack, it's lack like, of a better word. It's the development of the countering of the space, using the space to stop it. Yeah, it's kind of like just the modern version of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, that's like being a homeless shelter. You aren't a home, like, you don't want to put a homeless shelter out in the suburbs of a city. You want it right downtown where the people congregate. You have to go into the spaces where people you're trying to reach are at. So yeah. if it's trying to tell people that they spend too much time on their goddamn phones and they're going to kill themselves if they keep doing it, you kind of have to dive headfirst into that shit and, and find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel like the same people that are like, like, ironic, you on your phone or whatever, are like the same people that complain that like everyone's in a bubble and that activists only preach to the choir or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> Good point. Yeah, and I find I find it funny too because a lot of the time i get it from from leftists or people who are anti-capitalist or or what have you and how often they're like you know what i hate when people say you know i why do you use your phone if it was made by capitalism but you know what they do they do the same thing to like anti-tech people they say this totally (laughs) so it's like oh why you know why do you why do you use a phone or why are you not in the woods it's like a because the people that i want to convince are not the ones that are probably in the woods that or they would be you know what i mean and then the second the second thing it's like would you have blamed you know peasants for using their lord's tools to kill their lord no so why is it (laughs) why is it why is it wrong for us to do that 
like well, yeah, it's, it's hypocritical, but we live in a complex hypocritical system. That's, that's I think ne- another necessary. thing too, though. I think another thing too, though, is that it's like we can't be sort of um, unrealistic about the the situation that our movement and the people who think like we do are in. I don't really like saying that I'm part of a movement because I I don't think I am, but it's not the '90s and the 2000s anymore. Like it's, it's not, I wasn't even around during that time. I was in fucking uh, kindergarten, first grade when, when all the big earth first uh, shit was going on and uh, ELF and it, it's just not the time that it used to be anymore. So I think that we have to kind of restart and uh, start digging out our own places in these online spaces and then move from there. I think a lot of people like to think that, oh, well, we just kind of need to get out into, into uh, open spaces where people congregate and start spreading our messages again. and. I just keep telling him like it's not like it used to be. You can't just go out on the street corner anymore with an with an Earth First sign and try to talk to people like they've they've heard it all before. Mm-hmm. Communi- communication has shifted. That social spaces have shifted to online, and that's you know that we can't really help it all that much. And if we do, we do it through, <laughs> ironically, probably social media or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, I I think it depends where you are. And I think that there's a lot of like, um, like cusp or like edge spaces where like people do congregate and might be more open to like anti-civ ideas, you know, Um, or like anti-tech ideas or whatever. Uh, I think finding those spaces in real life is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also like a lot of like a lot of spaces I think where people have those ideas exist and are disconnected as well. Like I lived when I lived in New Haven uh, brief, uh, briefly in 2007 again, uh, there was a group called the Bioregionalist group that was like all these like almost entirely senior citizens who had like read Ishmael and seen this one movie that I can't even remember the name of, but it's basically like a documentary about Ishmael. Um, hmm. And, like, they had seen this and, like, created what they called, like, a bioregional group. And it was, like, yeah, like, their activity was mostly left to, like, canoe trips and, like, local foods, potlucks and stuff like that. But, like, ideologically, they were all super on board and they were, like, all trying to, like, start having chickens in their yards and, like, uh, which partially included, like, changing some of the laws in New Haven to allow for chickens, which was cool because that had, like, put them in touch with... uh, some of the folks who are already pushing for those changes because New Haven has like a huge Latino population, uh, which like immigrant populations oftentimes uh, want to keep chickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it was, it was, it was cool. Like, and, and, but like, like I, a, I'm not in touch with those folks anymore. And like, they weren't in touch with any of the like prickly, like, like green anarchist younger kids in that town, you know? Uh, oh, wow. I don't remember how we stumbled upon them, but it was weird. It was like, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. Oh, but yeah, so I think also just like trying to like hook together spaces of people uh, who are kind of into the same stuff mm-hmm. um, can be a really useful thing as well. Sorry, okay. go on. Uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of talking about this and kind of touching on something you talked about earlier is your burnout with the anarchist milieu. And then also, were you involved, or I think you and I might have talked about this, the kind of downfall of North Carolina anarchism 
a little bit, especially when it was kind of invaded is the wrong word, but like filled with like leftists or like standard social anarchist types. That might have been something you and I have talked about in the past, but maybe not. But you know, yeah, I would, I, uh, yes, I was, and I, I would be hesitant to like, like brand the the types of individuals, you know, because mm-hmm. I think like especially in real life and this is one of the things that like bums me out about the internet is that like people don't tend to have like a foot in three different camps um yeah. the way that like uh they do in real life you know where like yeah like my next door neighbors you know who i'd known for ages were like like hard red anarchists but like we got along fine and they weren't like identitarian you know what i mean like uh so it, it, it'd be tough for me to say like oh social anarchists did this or like whatever but yeah i mean there was definitely um the culmination of uh a lot of elements of like call out culture and identity politics um and a few like really pathologically toxic uh individuals Mm -hmm. uh yeah pretty much tore apart and sank an entire scene was that a big impact on your burnout or was your burnout more uh unrelated um yeah, I mean that was huge. Uh that was probably that was probably like half of it. Okay. Um, or 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 more. Um was yeah, watching I mean, like I got involved with stuff about a year before like the Shack Seven trial and like the big green scare mm-hmm. uh like Operation Backfire. So I mean like most of my activist career had been this like and I use the term activist much more loosely than I think people do now, but just to mean like a person who has ideas and acts on them in a social fashion. Um, yeah. uh, but like most of my activist career had been in the context of like massive state repression, right? So like that was never the thing that like kept me and my friends away from stuff. Like a lot of us intentionally like didn't go to like college for like teaching or whatever because we assumed that we would have some kind of like conspiracy felony charges at some point just for like run-of-the-mill organizing yeah Uh, you know and and so like that was never really enough to burn me out what Mm -hmm. yeah what, what ultimately got me was when i was like it's actually people within my milieu that keep destroying these projects um and and also just like watching um watching how stuff went down and how like like the logical extension of some of the ideologies that we had held particularly with identity politics uh had just like turned like like people that i had known for like the better part of a decade like came to see like their like 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 your when 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 your ex-housemate who like doted on you through your like broken leg or whatever you know and you've known for like the better part of a decade uh is relegated to just like the 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 role of like white male who's like a stand-in for like other white males who have like traumatized you and really like represents more of like an ideological or like demographic position than an actual human is just like yeah like a fucking garbage shit show that like no one will be involved in <laughs> oh yeah you know i think you echo a lot of the ideas we talked about on one of our previous episodes with Warzone Distro and their concerns with identity politics. And they shared a lot of similar grievances, I suppose, with the impact identity politics has had, especially because they come from more of the Chicago area, but they saw yeah. the same sort of 
impact it had on on radical spaces, especially yeah. as they were they were either bi you know biracial or for example one of them is biracial dating a white person who has dreads and everyone tries to tell the biracial person how can you let your partner have dreads they're like because i don't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) why are you going to tell me that (laughs) yeah well yeah chicago i mean this isn't really regarding me or whatever but i mean chicago was one of the hardest hit with the initial wave of the like like super toxic identity politics stuff where like Mm -hmm. Like, I, I root most of that back to the 2009 crime think convergence. Like, not that it wasn't bubbling up already, but, like, the explosion of it um, was the 2009 crime think convergence that, like, got, like, physically shut down by a bunch of people claiming to be APOC, uh, anarchist people of color. And then, like, a number of those people were from Philly and a number of those people were from Chicago. And, like, they went back to Chicago afterwards and started trying to, like, evict anarch like, quote, white anarchist houses that were in, like, gentrifying neighborhoods and stuff like that. And that was, like, kind of the first anyone had done that kind of thing. I mean, I know now it's, like, part of the discourse or whatever, but... Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, and just, like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Chicago's a shit show for that stuff. I'm sure, and I, I, I would probably put a lot of it into addition to what you said is the disparity, I think, between, like, because typically when I think identity politics, I also associate, like, the, uh, it's not always, but very often, like, the white savior complex sort of thing that happens, and mm. I see that shit all the time in Chicago activists, fuck, constantly. It's so bad, because they try to be, like, the upper middle class white people that try to, like, speak for lower class black people. I'm like, you can't, that's not how that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not quite the the right way to go about that they and i think identity politics and i people in our comments and in my dms and i'm sure brady's have they do get i get fucking hate messages about being anti-idpole it's so bad it's so bad people are like you can't you're white you don't have the right to say that i'm like we've literally had black people in here that's say that you agree with us you can't like are you gonna tell them they're wrong like for some reason, I just, the toxic back and forth, because I think to me, a lot of pro poll can be really destructive. I see, and it used to, to me, from my understanding, like the the root of it used to be positive and it was, you know, in, you know, it could be used to deconstruct a lot of the issues that we see, but then a lot of the anti-IPOL can be also as as equally toxic, I think, as oh, well. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 the anti-IPOL stuff, like, like, came in, like, a lot of the loudest voices from that stuff from like 2015 are like center right at this point. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, exactly. ma- make no mistake. Like anti-id poll stuff mm-hmm. is an absolute mm-hmm. wedge issue that the right exploits at, at every fucking turn. Yep. Um, like, yeah, no, no doubt about that. And it's, it's, it's a tough one because it's also like, it's, it's every like person with like a personnel, like an untreated personality disorders, like favorite framework. <laughs> to to no i mean like not not to be too blunt but like that that's what happened in in north carolina was it was like you had these people that it was easy to read how if you wanted to destroy someone you could do it you know uh like the the manual was there Mm -hmm. uh and and if you just like plugged the right words in the right places like you could ruin basically anybody so from your perspective, though, Farrell, do you think that these groups doing those types of things in 
in North Carolina, at least I'll, I'll speak only to your experiences. Do you think that it was them trying to sort of envelop those spaces and make them their own? Uh, do you think that it was them seeing the ideas that your uh, your group, the people that you associated with were pushing and they were trying to destroy those ideas? Or do you think that they just did it? Uh, it was just a consequence of those people moving in. Like, do you think that it was more nefarious actions behind it? Or do you think that it it's just um, kind of what, what happens when when certain types of people start to assimilate yeah, into, I mean, into groups? Uh... Very much the latter. Like I think, I think it's when your group starts becoming popular, it will draw people who like controversy and like conflict. Right? If your group is involved in controversy and conflict, um, and uh, because especially like volunteer organizations like can't pay their members, then you get people who are willing to put a lot of work into stuff for free. Uh, and it's harder to say no to like really productive people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually one of the my biggest reasons why I think that like anarchist bookstores need to like try to pay their employees as as often as possible. Um, because if you pay someone, you can fucking fire them. Uh, and if you don't pay someone, then you have no fucking recourse when they are like a god awful toxic. <laughs> mess in your space you know what's uh, funny talking about your <laughs> spaces getting large or groups getting large and it kind of pulling in the wrong sort of people ironically i do believe ted Dzinski has mentioned that once or twice yeah, no, and, 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 and it's very true where it's like yeah basically i mean what happened i mean i would say of the two people that i would really zoom in on as like toxic elements that like finally destroyed things like one of them was absolutely a green anarchist who was like very on board had been in the milieu and in lots of important places and dates you know Mm -hmm. uh, and had contributed to those things um, but also like thrived on like conflict and call out and stuff right so like this person wasn't like secretly trying to destroy us Mm -hmm. Uh, they just like were really into having power uh, and we're really into being like an information bottleneck uh, with their like fingers in everything. Yeah. Uh, the other person I think was actually just more attracted to being part of every group uh, and, and being the center of attention. Uh, and I, I don't think her politics were nearly as in line with ours. For sure. What I notice, and you've kind of confirmed that we kind of touched on this a little bit before the, we started recording is how often these people, especially those that don't have solid political bases, like the the second person you mentioned, tend to be in it for social capital. They just want to be, they want to feel special. You know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, special snowflake, but I think a lot of it is behind it is they want to be somebody. So they associate with larger groups. You know what I mean? And they want to be the center of attention. And, you know, like the first one you said wants to be the information bottleneck. Everything has to go through them before it comes out and they have to filter it. And, they want to be the center of attention and, and what have you. It's because it's they like attaching to something larger than themselves, which I think is both a human thing, but that can be also extremely, for the lack of a better word, toxic or self-destructive, both to the person themselves and to the larger group they associate with. Yeah, well, and I, I, I think definitely one of the weaknesses of like activist and anarchist spaces and the emphasis on someone's ability to contribute or even worse, they're like 
the the quality of their politics or whatever is that those spaces provide ready-made friend circles that people can drop into mm-hmm. you know like if you have a bookstore and someone just like comes in and offers to like volunteer or whatever like normally if you had a friend circle that person would ha- like their like friend circles operate in like concentric circles right where like if you were just getting to know someone even like through the bar scene or like through the whatever like music scene or something like that person would only come into your life through a series of like shared connections like social connections and so like if lots of people like the time in which it takes them to get to you they would burn the bridges it would take to get to you a lot of the time yeah um and the problem with the social formations is that people can just drop in and it's like if someone in their mid-20s comes to your activist group and doesn't seem to have friends from the rest of their life like that's a giant red flag i mean a it's like a, a cop red flag but more importantly it's just a like like what the fuck have you been doing that you, like no one has like maintained contact with you mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna, um, i'm curious real quick uh since you spent a lot of time in chap i'm assuming chapel hill then if you're in north carolina yeah so and when you were mentioning a lot of these groups was this stuff that happened and you also mentioned this is me connecting the dots a little bit and since you spent time on college campuses were you on uh was it unc yeah so i'm assuming was this the center of a lot of that stuff was like the campus or was it outside of the campus spaces that you started running into this sort of toxic behavior no this this was all off campus um so i mean like up through 2000 12 or 13 i would even say like campuses were not particularly political places Mm -hmm. um and we actually like our anarchist milieu created an anarchist group on campus in like 2011 2012 where Mm -hmm. basically like one of us had gone back to college and was a grad student and started the group and basically uh the group was called the uncontrollables like the unc oh controllables that's and, good uh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh i mean if 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 crime thinks got one well crime think has lots of great things about it uh but one of them is absolutely it's wordplay and um uh but yeah and so we actually had like a bunch of off-campus folks doing a lot of the paperwork and like using social connections to like bring people in from like brazil and turkey and places that were like popping off all around the world and it quickly grew to like the second most funded group on campus like it was getting more money than the college Republicans because mm. it was able to like have all of its paperwork in order and show six months ahead of time what events it wanted to do. And then like it put on some very popular events, right? When you bring people in from the rioting in Turkey and Brazil while it's still happening, like not many student groups can put on events like that, you know? No. Like usually that's something that like a whole department would put on. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, so it very quickly grew to like a large group uh but yeah so but but it was it was still like like the students weren't the center of it you know what i mean like uh it was it, so yeah no i mean this was very much off campus uh okay i was just curious because i typically hear people i was just kind of curious if there was a relationship maybe between the 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 toxic behavior i've seen on my campuses because i don't i'm not a member but sometimes i associate with the the d the ydsa chapter that's on my uh campus just on the basis that it's people to talk to basically and ironically 
one of them, I was, I mentioned I was a radical grain and I caught one of their attention. He like pulled me aside. He said, dude, I want you to know, I don't know if you are, and I don't tell anyone this, but I'm a primitivist. And I looked down, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but like, I see some of that, not specifically within that group, but within like the, 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 the ironically, the, the, the TPUSA chapter. Oh, it's bad. The college Dems, the typical uh, political groups. The YDSA luckily doesn't have so much of that. But I was wondering if maybe there was any correlation, but, you know, it's good that it didn't happen on that campus then, that it was a positive experience for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the 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 campus was mostly just viewed as, like, a place to, like, get resources from. Like, okay. It wasn't really even viewed as, like, a primary, like, I guess as early as 2009, um, we were shutting down events there hmm. uh, when, when uh, Youth for Western Civilization started organizing on campus. Uh, which was like a like pre alt right group, I would say. Uh, I mean, they they are what their name sounds like: Youth for Western Civilization. Youth for Western Civilization. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't totally. imagine what they looked like. <laughs> yeah, well, and 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 you know, allegedly they weren't racist, but they like brought in nothing but like racial wedge speakers, right? So it was like uh, anti immigration, anti Dream Act, anti affirmative action, like speakers <laughs> like that. <laughs> um and so yes so we immediately set to like physically uh. shutting down their events which was like not really a thing that was being done at the time mm-hmm. uh i mean it had been done in the 60s and 70s but it was like new for the 21st century mm-hmm. as uh, someone who wasn't on and affiliated with the the university would did that make your job easier to come on to both present and to disrupt or was it harder because you weren't supposed to really um, be there so to speak the the second big protest against like slash shutdown against them uh saw me banned from campus for almost two years afterwards Uh, (laughs) because after the first one where like windows got broken and fire alarms got pulled and like assaults happened um the the university had been like our students never behave like this like what's going on and then like two weeks later when they had another event and a bunch of people got arrested and they started looking into it. Like the newspaper headline was like off campus, like eight off campus agitators arrested, like blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean that, which was a bummer because like, I basically lived off the cafeteria there for several years. And so that was I was actually uh, arrested an additional time uh, for being on campus coming out of the cafeteria and an officer recognized me, <laughs> and I was charged oh. with trespass. <laughs> oh God! I could see almost it's kind of easier, even though you're removed. It's not like you're paying for tuition, and now you you're kicked off campus, sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Rather totally. Not being a part of that space in an official capacity, but more or less, you show up and you do your shit, and then you might get kicked off. It's another thing to get arrested for trespassing, but <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, we didn't run a risk of expulsion or anything. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, being being in a college town rules. Like, I used to park my car on campus all the time, and they would give you parking tickets, but their only enforcement for parking tickets was that you couldn't graduate if you owed them money. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and so I just had this like pile of them. They were totally unenforceable. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually great. Sort of uh, 
sort of speaking of the undesirables, I know we've had this issue and we've had to address it publicly, even on our own Instagram page. I want to hear kind of your experience with this. Um, what has your issue been like with like Nazi trash, eco-fash, third positionist chuds trying to uh, sort of enter into your little nook um, of the internet? I mean, I let anyone who wants to follow me uh, because it's just me promoting my own ideas and you know in a in, in an ideal situation someone who already harbors those beliefs will come to my page follow my content and shift to my position uh i mean that's very optimistic but it is what it is mm -hmm. um i would say i spend actually a fairly large amount of well not large large but i mean like probably once a week um like I'll look at someone who has followed me and like go through their page or whatever and see that they have like, you know, like, like there's a, like a dearth of those like um, Kaczynski memes that like go around, but then have had like, like white supremacist iconography, like mm. placed in the background, like on his shed or something like that. Um, or, or like the like eco gang mm -hmm. stuff, right. Which doesn't say that it's fashy, but like uses all the same imagery and that, mm -hmm. that like extremely anti-Semitic and fashy uh, stuff use. And so, I, you know, I'll, I'll just, like, again, a lot of times it's someone who's, like, 17 or 18 years old or even younger, right? And I'll just, like, send them a message being, like, hey, like, lots of your content is good. Like, this stuff, like, I like you, you might not know this, you know, but, like, this icon here and here are, like, white supremacist. Like, that seems uh, incompatible with the other stuff that you post. Like, are you aware that it is? And if they're, like like no it's not or i didn't know then i like have like a little cache of stuff that kind of like shows like you know skull mask and rune in this picture mask skull max like ma ma match skull mask rune and art style in this other one that's about killing jews you mm -hmm. know and i kind of like send them those and like see this is this group adam and so like i have a lot of those conversations um with folks as far as folks like commenting in the comment section um, I'll usually leave it up initially if other folks want to argue with them publicly. Um, Me. I am those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, well there's, there, there, there's lots of people, you know, and, and again, like, I'm not strictly like a marketplace of ideas kind of folk. I like kind of person. Like, I don't, I, I think that there are structural issues that we're up against and even like hardwired psychological stuff that we're up against where like, like they're ideas play on fear which is like a fucking short circuit for the human brain uh, mm -hmm. but but I, I i do try to leave it up long enough to see if people will debunk it um or whatever and also just to kind of like i don't know like i put up a, a hanukkah one a while ago and yeah like someone put a bunch of anti-semitic stuff under it and i was like you know what like everyone on here knows where I stand on this because I put the fucking thing up. Like, <laughs> I'm going to fucking leave those comments there so that people know, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's so it's so strange because I know a lot of people in sort of, I don't want to say our circles, but I, I think you know what, what I'm talking about here, Farrell, is that a lot of us who are um, explicitly anti-fascist, anti-racist, um, we get these sorts of people following us. Uh, I know even on our, our Instagram page for our, our podcast account, I, me and Art had to write up this little message with the, the Luddites smashing the swastika and the hammer and sickle. 
um, it's crazy. Like I, I keep posting images, trying to affirm to everyone, mainly the leftists who try to call us eco-fascists and Nazis that, that we're anti-fascist and uh, that we don't accept those types of people, but they still fucking come. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Where Another thing we get are people from. in the they comments disappear. that make fun of Brady's voice and they say that he needs more testosterone. That's. <laughs> oh yeah. I just want to say, if you're watching this right now, the man who said that on episode six of the Critical of Capital podcast on Ted Kaczynski, your message, what you said <laughs> to me, is still burned into my brain, and I bring it, it up at least once a week. So if you said that to mentally traumatize me and make me feel bad about myself... But another all I do now is eat red meat and anaerobic exercises. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was another thing. There was this person that commented... I think it was Brady. I think it was the post that Brady said we don't welcome, we aren't leftist, we're not ecofascist, and we don't want ecofascists here. I think someone commented, "Well, then why is one if you know you don't want to be you know leftist, then why is one of your co-hosts a tranny or some shit?" I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" And he was like, "Oh, I'm not right wing. I'm just based in science." I was like, "I'm gonna feed you your fucking teeth." Yeah, <laughs> just. It, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a really big problem, in my opinion, that um, I, I like your strategy. I think that there's multiple strategies. Obviously, ours is to, yeah. to shut those people down. You just have way more patience than yeah. I do, well, Carl. I can't fucking I, stand and I'll, dealing I'll, with I'll those I'll tell you when I do anymore. delete them is I delete them if in, in two situations. One, if I think that the replies to them are actually going to be more ignorant and damaging than the original stuff. Or like, <laughs> like, y- y- you know, where I'm like, I'm like, this oh, person yeah. has said a kind of racist thing. If anyone replies to this, the next thing they say is going to be like huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like I will kind of cut stuff like that off. Um, I'll also like, um, honestly, if, if I think they're making like good point, isn't the word, but like a convincing point, you know what I mean? Like, um, like if I, I watch a lot of like center to far right YouTube and stuff like that as like my own personal research project or whatever. Uh, and so I'm familiar with like a lot of the like kind of buzzwords and dialogues and like thought threads and stuff. And basically like, like it basically it, it, if I think that the like 17 year old leftist arguing with this person is about to get fucking trounced publicly, I'll I'll just cut it off because I'm like this is actually like yeah I'd say it's like basically if I think they're gonna lose if I think the the nationalist or whoever is gonna lose the argument I'll let it happen mm-hmm. um, but I'm not gonna use them I, yeah, I think that's I'm, a fair way to look at it because most of the time the 17 year old leftist on the internet is about to get force fed the fucking red pill in front yeah, of exactly. the goddamn yeah I don't let that happen and no one no, <laughs> no one wants that no one wants to hear about the cultural bolshevism <laughs> like when you're like when you're trying to give your dog your their fucking diabetes medication <laughs> you have to stuff it down their throat it's like what they're doing to these little fucking stalinists yeah another thing is when, <laughs> what i love seeing in your comments are people that try to like be holier than thou or speak 
down on you. What was it in your <laughs> recent one of your recent Twitter posts? I watched the comment section where you ended up deleting his comments, and he came back like an hour later. So did you did you really delete my comments, bro? <laughs> oh yeah, you <laughs> called me like a pussy or something too. It was and really all you, intense. And all, you, and all you said were like, "Who are you?" <laughs> And it's funny because I'm in a Discord with him and I sent him the screenshots. I was like, what's going on here? He's like, that motherfucker really deleted my comments. <laughs> it was so bad. He said, dude, he doesn't know how to argue. He, oh, he said, uh, he, he said, oh, he's getting really turned up the fact that I'm right. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, I can promise you, Farrell does not give a fuck. Farrell's out doing some shit out in the Brady, you know who it was? Brady, it was the same person that was getting mad at us for not killing presidents. Remember that? That dude? Yeah. Oh, the, the frog guy. I know exactly. Yeah, Terror frog. Yeah, that was the one. He yeah. was in our, we were in a Discord. He was getting mad at us for not doing oh, stuff. And yeah. I said, why aren't you doing stuff? He's like, how don't you ever dare use the the hypocrite uh, ad hominem with me, bro? I was like, but I'm right. <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? He was like, getting really mad. He said, I'm so tired of anarchists not doing stuff. And which basically translates to, I'm tired of anarchists not doing things that, is, that are going to get them killed. Which is what basically what that translated to. <laughs> you know, there was, I, I, um, for a long period of time, I lived with uh, one of the, like, or like the, like, main writer, editor person for a lot of the Crime Think projects. And we had a conversation in like the mid to late aughts when Derek Jensen, who I know he's like blacklisted now, but like he was very formative for most like greens in my generation before he like got in with Lear Keith and went off the deep end. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and in 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 Endgame, particularly like in, in Endgame and stuff, he had started advocating for people to like do very large like blowing up dams uh, kind of stuff. And it seemed like during that period, like crime think was actually like dialing back a lot of the stuff that it advocated. And the conversation I had with this person where he was like, I just, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not going to tell anyone to do anything that I wouldn't, you know? Um, That's facts. Facts. You know, and I mean like that person yeah, has absolutely. fought felony charges at protests and their breadth of what they can advocate is not small, you know, but they were like, yeah. but like, I'm not about like, he's like, I'm, I'm not into tricking young people into going out and like doing shit that I would never do, you know. Absolutely. Uh, we're not tricking, but you know what I mean. Like, it's like I'm not a general, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which, and I think a lot of this has to do with internet discourse. The the why aren't people doing more sort of thing. It's like because you're so removed from the fact people do stuff, but it's not what you want. For example, when people say anarchists don't do anything, it's like what anarchists? I mean, there's Exarchia in Greece. There's anarchists in Rojava. There's food not bombs. You know, that's a more, that's like a whole, that's a whole project in and of itself. It's like, just because they're not fucking William McKinley, a motherfucker, it doesn't mean they're not doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same dudes that are like, I, I haven't been outside in three months, but I'm going to try to convince my my online following of 14-year-olds to post TED memes to like go blow up the electrical grid. Like, <laughs> God speak to you, buddy. Have fun with that. And I think, like I said, that's like a fault of like internet discourse. And yeah, that's always been like a thing. It's like, why aren't we doing more? But it's more, why aren't you doing more? And why don't I sit back and just watch it? which is in itself just a toxic hypocritical thing, but whatever, that's them. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll also suggest that, like, maybe people are doing things and aren't posting about them. Like, 
right? Like that. Right. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we used to be hmm. we, we we used to be in a group <laughs> a chat weird. actually right where like this one dude was like talking about some crazy shit Jude and, like yeah no 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 not Jude <laughs> no um and we don't need to name the person that it was or whatever um but no I <laughs> shout out to Jude by the way <laughs> I love you, Jude I love you <laughs> my in, my my Hi, my, dude. my my internet son I know um, but no I like. I mean, you're all my internet sons. Like he's he's the youngest of the bunch. Um, and uh, but no, so like, uh, but he he'd been talking about like like setting fires or something. Oh, and like I yep, and yep. and and I had pulled one of you aside and been like, this dude is like making shit up, basically. You know, like like and 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 in a dangerous way. And one of you yeah. forwarded me like it was like a newspaper article. It was like, article? oh no, he's like a right. You're like, <laughs> oh no, he's a 16 year old who's like legit facing charges for like tr- like throwing fire at banks. For- and I was like, oh, oh all right, well, you know uh, really funny about I still want to keep this person at arm length, but like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, like maybe even longer than arm's length. Hey, to that person who's probably, that person probably <laughs> really funny about that is he wanted to come on the podcast. I was like, as long as you listen, I want you to I'm not going to your disclosure, which is the anti-violent, we don't condone violence. He said, I want you to know that I'm not going to do that. I was like, then you're not coming on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're well, not platforming charges. someone who's getting charged for three arsons, battery, and robbery with a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that. We we still yeah. love you though. We still love but yeah, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. So that's like, yeah, that's that's what I would take on that stuff. Is like, like I don't promote any kind of like behavior other than like the absolute most petty of like misdemeanors on my page, you know. Um, I'll like clap and like sideline and cheerlead some stuff, but I'm never like, this is what you all should be doing. And if you're not, you know, cause I'm fucking not, you know, <laughs> that just fucking, that just reminds me of that meme that people were, were posting around. I'm not a, sure if you did it first, but our buddy Ash that we, we call him the, the he cause he kind of looks like a caveman. He, he was sending us this meme of, uh, it was like, you know, those those balloons like the very oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. sort of the foil around the outsides of them it was the meme about like you should hold these balloons underneath power lines uh and if you let go it creates (laughs) a very cool fireworks show and i just thought that that was one of the funniest fucking things i had seen i'm like hmm if i post this around (laughs) is is this like conspiracy am i am i gonna get in trouble for saying that one thing one thing i kind (laughs) of wanted to talk about and i meant to bring this up like fucking forever ago now but in in your case of being exposed to so many ways of propagating ideology whether it was through literally going on college campuses and handing out you know information it was comedy it's now memes and coming on a little stupid podcast with like 500 subscribers what do you think if you if you had a way not to instruct action because we just talked about that that's a whole nother thing but if you wanted to instruct the best way to propagate ideas how do you think people should go about that because i think people are either too underhanded or they try to again like shove it down their dog's throat the the medicine it's like no one's gonna listen to that if you just try to word salad them you know what i mean yeah i mean i think there are a lot of different roles to be played like without being too specific like i still like my job that is in the woods is like working with a lot of 
young people ranging from like high school to like late 20s military vets and stuff and um like i have you know weeks or months at a time to like have conversations with these folks and help them like see my perspective and so i'm not i haven't abandoned outreach in the real world uh you know feral meme is the primary brain dump for me at this point because i'm not in like uh college towns or an urban area most of the time in order to do like face-to-face stuff but i honestly do think that like face-to-face connections i think um when when you have a face-to-face connection with someone your your personality backs up your ideas Mm -hmm. uh in in a way that they they don't on the internet except for maybe like if you have like a youtube channel i guess you could have like parasocial relationships where Mm -hmm. you like come off as authentic and and so your you know your personality backs up your idea but i mean like honestly touring around was my absolute favorite um as far as like it both being both like personally enriching and fun um and and also really effective where it was like yeah like we would you know set up a tour where like we'd like hit up the earth first chapter in every town that we wanted to go to and they'd host us and you know we'd you know all all the people who came to their like movie screenings or whatever or like had been to any of their events like would come to this thing and we would put on like a nice show and because the group was hosting it it would like lend them some legitimacy and then we would like hang out with the you know we would stay at one of their houses that night and like um i feel like that was really fantastic um i think you know at the same time like our earth first chapter locally like tried to have an in-person event every other week so whether it was like a movie screening at a bookstore or um like if if we or like a protest or if we really had like nothing that we could book like i would just do a barbecue and call like an eco radicals meet and greet and like people could fucking come hang out and eat burgers Hmm. you know in one of our backyards or whatever and we'd flyer a little bit for it but mainly just like send it out on the listservs so that like if someone who had given us their email address on campus or whatever wanted to come hang out and like i don't know i think that when you're when you're open and you're nice and i think like yeah i I think people uh are way more open to like to to trusting that you're not a you know as as we get as like greens get accused of of like being a genocidal maniac or whatever right Mm -hmm. like like once someone actually knows you and knows that you spend like you know several hours a week like sending books to prisoners and like cooking food for your friends and all this kind of stuff like they don't think that yeah that you're some like i don't know pasty kid in your parents basement who just like wants to you know like share your pain by putting other people in pain yeah do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. um so I, I i do think in-person outreach is like really the best thing and if you can create a project that does that you know at, at, at the same time like i will say like like you know i've been fortunate enough to live in places that people do congregate in person you know either college towns or cities uh and so i mean i do think that there's a lot of room for podcasts and stuff like that where a person can kind of you know in in lieu of like having face-to-face connections can find parasocial relationships and especially you know with with like anti tech thinkers and anti-civ thinkers and and if you know especially if those people like if if the 
the people making the projects, you know, are willing to be a bit available to the folks that follow them and are willing to engage with them and stuff. Like, I think that can be really great. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, we don't do more of that to anyone listening to this, but I'm an Antrim. I don't, I don't sit on my phone. Yeah, and I, the one but thing I'll, about I'll this podcast that I enjoy is I think it represents like a lot of the – me and Brady hardly beat ourselves up about the podcast. Admittedly, it's more of a joyful thing that we do when – kind of just when we're bored or we realize let's make an episode. And we tell ourselves, oh, we'll bulk up. And then I talk to him a week later. He messages me. He's like, we should probably record the the episode. <laughs> The only time I was ever truly stressed out about the podcast, <laughs> there's been two times. One time the audio just kept messing up. Me and Brady recorded, tried the recorded episode two or three times, and it just didn't. Oh, yeah, God, that's crazy making. One. Yeah, and um, I actually smacked my table hard as hell, and Brady was laughing at me. recording wasn't working, and it was a whole mess. <laughs> it was It was stressful. Yeah, that's kind of why our podcast disappeared for six to eight months when we were doing our transition from being uh, me being a post-left anarchist and art being an ultra-leftist into what we became. Um, it is one of those things that you do kind of have to juggle if you're a person who creates content on the internet, which I'm sure you've even experienced before, is you can't make it obligatory you have to kind of do it when you feel like doing it or like an obligation. You, you just kind of have to go with it. Otherwise it becomes a fucking job. And I know we've mentioned that to people, especially when we're recording, like we'll put episodes out when we want to put them out. It's not my job. I do this for fun. Uh, I do this to, to sort of share my experiences and share my thoughts with people. So yeah, I, I'm sure you've, you've definitely experienced some of that as someone who makes content. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, well. uh, early on tried to post every day and then like dialed it back to every other day. And yeah, now it's like, sometimes you'll see that there are just like several week gaps and then like a week's worth of content will go up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, when I, when I see the feral content drop, I get happy. I'm a simple person. <laughs> <laughs> I, see feral meme, I, oh, I, I, I do think though that one of the things and this isn't like a young people don't like to work thing or whatever. Um, but like, I do think that putting a lot of effort in at the beginning of projects uh, is a really good thing to do, you yeah, know, absolutely. like in trying to like build up feral meme or whatever, like, yeah, like, cause initially it wasn't just original content. And so I would try to post like one piece of original content every day and then like something else really good that I had found and just like regularly doing it. Um, and definitely like for stand up comedy, and stuff like that like you actually do have to like kind of treat that kind of stuff like a job um you know and and, and I, I think i, I guess oh, that's yeah. that'd be my only thing is like yeah also like take your projects like like maybe sometimes too seriously because like uh it'll show you know mm -hmm. um in 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 the quality of of product that you produce yeah uh, and that's and you kind of touched on this and it may or may not be related but like with burnouts and stuff i admit like towards the end of critical of capital before rebranded i was getting burned out as fuck because it was like i was already having a conflict of like my own political identity and then people were kind of hyping or not hyping that's more with the uncivilized is that i actually on the contrary i felt like the podcast wasn't getting the reception for even the like per episode the the work that would go into it especially from gavin's editing and everything that would go into it um and we got a lot of hate shit for some reason, and I think it was because we were kind of we were kind of lefties, but we were also oh, yeah. both anti-civ, and so we got a lot of shit from from 
and the the kind of right right wing anti tech stuff. You know what I mean? The right wing DVD. I mean, we did record for two hours exclusively about Ted Kaczynski and had to split and then it those into comments were either leftist getting mad or right wingers saying that we are being left wing because we are against capitalism, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It's like you, I, but Ted Kaczynski's fucking basically anti-capitalist, whether or not he likes to admit it. How does that make me a fucking lefty, you weirdo? And I mean, it was yeah. like the, the weird sort of right wingers that I'm like, they read into what is it, his uh, the the problems of leftism, and they didn't read anything past that. You know what I mean? They're those type of people. And, and we were talking about that before uh, we started recording about how one of the reasons why the like feral meme Twitter is so underdeveloped is that I like basically quit it for like a year. Because when I first started it, it was just like this deluge of like weird, like back to the land Christian conservative types and like eco nationalists and other like <laughs> sketchy folks that like I just didn't enjoy engaging with. And so like the project never got built up the same way that like Instagram did, where like I was really fortunate early on where um, Float Universe, which is just some like psychedelic, you know, kind of page like reposted a bunch of my stuff and like Josh Citarella, uh, you know, like an artist from New York, like, like shouted me out and stuff. And so I had this like following of like really diverse, interesting folks. Um, whereas like, yeah, my Twitter yeah. was just this like fucking garbage bin uh, of like screaming left anarchists <laughs> and like screaming weird right wingers. Uh is just a, a lot less interesting i like couldn't bring myself to like yeah in, in engage with those people which is what you have to do if you want to build your thing you know mm-hmm. talking about bad to the land i wish i wish more anarchists were into that like when i i, I didn't know this but how much of cuba and like spanish-speaking anarchism had a thing for bad to the land which specifically like the anarcho-naturist movement or early sort of proto-primitivism so we need to bring that back take that shit away from the weird conservatives because back to the land could easily be mixed with like the very green anarchist stuff but people are so scared of of that sort of naturalistic philosophy which is unfortunate that we can't even get past people using pine trees like um I know you know this, Farrell, but I have I have pine yeah. trees tattooed on my arms, and um, that's like one of my one of my things that I use online, especially on my Instagram page, my my very small Instagram page is pine trees. That's something that I like to I like to reference, and I can't even get past using that without being called right. uh, a fascist uh, for for being fond of for being fond of pine trees. So I definitely understand what you're what you're talking about with with that whole scene being sort of corrupted with well, the garbage bin of the internet showing up to so i mean th- this has kind of been one of the really interesting things to emerge out of like the eco right and like eco nationalist milieu in the last that i've seen the last few years is like as the left has abandoned like hard eco positions and stuff that were very left associated um in the early 2000s like there's that section of the right that has actually adopted lots of them you know um i mean like i'm not mm-hmm. uh you know an animal rights activist anymore but i mean like being like anti-vivisection and stuff like that is like part of a lot of eco-nationalism and yeah they're like back to the landers who are like anti-genetically oh, modified yeah. foods and like pro-organic and like small farming and all and like and also like the anti-globalization stuff or like anti-global like like i i i had some tweet about this but yeah like basically where it's like um 
or maybe a better way of something like like when I was out in the bay, I ran into someone who I hadn't seen in probably a decade and a half, and she had been going to uh like like Bay Area libertarian stuff, and I was like, why why would you like what? Uh, and she was like, I, she was like, I mean, honestly, like it's a bunch of ex anarchists. She's like, I mean, I just don't understand when like Marxism became cool and being like anti-globalist became bad, you know? And I mean, to, to be fair, like, yeah, like the anti-globalization movement of the late nineties and early two thousands was a left position. And like, like we got fucking scooped, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to look at, like. And, and, and I do, I think that like small farming and localism and stuff like that is, or was like the part of the left that was appealing to like your average American. And I don't really understand why we abandoned it. Like, I understand that everyone's afraid that like, if you say localism, people are going to think people are going to extrapolate nativism or whatever. And like that kind of stuff. But I mean, I don't know, like, like, um, I don't know, like, I, I was milling over my head, like, I, I had this graphic I wanted to make about, like, like, we don't know where the coronavirus came from, but, like, we know where global pandemics come from, and it's, like, a picture of an airplane, you know, and I was, like, is this going to get read as, like, being anti-immigration, right? It's oh, not, yeah. it's, like, but, but, like, ultimately, yeah. and so, like, I don't know, like, I feel like we, like, the left, or, I mean, I, I, I identify as being on the left as far as my relationship to the right goes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. We're pretty similar. Uh, and, and so, I mean, like, I'm like, in what, when, when did the left abandon all these kind of like really basic things and, and why, you know, my notice, something I noticed, I had this discussion with someone, they said that we need to stop endorsing localism and things of that because it's it, they said that humans are naturally reactionary and we need to overcome that i was like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> he said we're naturally yeah. tribalistic i was like what that's another thing too when you brought up the animal rights stuff is that's something that i've been wondering for a while but i was thinking maybe it's only me that uh that has seen it is the the anti-baby section anti-animal abuse I can't even tell you how much like Nazi propaganda, like Adam Waffen base, uh, the base propaganda that I've seen that's like kill animal abusers, uh, kill vivisectionists. Like, when did that get? When did that mm -hmm. get appropriated yeah, exactly. by the far right? Like, when the fuck? When the fuck did that happen? Like, where? Where's the yeah. ALF? <laughs> and it's did they all go away? And it's did interesting because the environmentalism void? of the radical sort sort of was a right theme thing right-wing thing at first you know the typical edward Ab not far right but you know the right-wing libertarian sort of thing of like edward abbey early earth first definitely wasn't left-wing in the traditional sense of the word they weren't you know nazis by any chance but you know they had the whole anti-immigration positions things that modern earth first as i like, deemed problematic you know sure yeah and 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 with good reason yeah yeah, and so it's weird how it's sort of this horseshoe but it's going more radical than what Edward Abbey, you know, with all the good things, had a lot of fucked up things to say, and it's like it's yeah, coming sure. back. It's coming back again, but even like worse, <laughs> and it's very weird to watch as the far right takes ego, like ideological positions, and you're like, wait, I've seen this one before. <laughs> you're like, don't do that. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, honestly, like it. I think this 
the space to do that has been left by the left like refusing to call it as it is you know like like when 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 the left refuses to say like industrial civilization is the fucking problem then like anyone who wants to can you know so i I, mean, I, I guess that's like yeah i don't know uh i don't have a lot of good answers around that stuff but like i said talking to like young people who repost memes that are fine but like have been like edited you know to be not right like 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 that Kaczynski one that's just like it's just him and he's like you always on your damn phone like that's hilarious but like someone stuck a fucking rune in the background that's like regularly <laughs> used by Adam Waffen you know and so I think like just honestly like having like a like one-to-one conversations where you like give people the benefit of the doubt uh that like they don't actually understand what they're what they're reposting and like and I, I, think... I don't really have other good yeah go on I think that's like the thing that the right does. And you mentioned this feeding into fear, but also when you're younger, you're more malleable and they kind of, they kind of get into the meme culture. And that's where you see a lot of anti-Semitic and racist and sexist stuff, you know, not to say that isn't like a problematic thing, but it's, it's so common in discourse that the right and especially the far right can use that to attract younger basic bigotry that they can use to radicalize them further that's where you see like joking like anti-semitic like what is it the uh the the six parentheses or whatever you see that and like a year later they're actually like yeah they're calling for like the extermination oh, the of Jews. Like, shit <laughs> because it's meme culture and like the online discourse allows the far right to appropriate or not appropriate but radicalize ignorant young people which is fucking disheartening yeah but you know, again, like I think when people are young, you can also just talk to them. Um, exactly, and I mean, maybe yeah. that's one of the benefits to like having a large platform. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had like a really like unsuccessful conversation with someone the, like just yesterday, where it's this like tiny fucking page with like eighteen followers that's producing fucking hilarious anti-civ content, but like they also have a bunch of like sexist content that i was like and you know i I, again like it wasn't a successful one or whatever but i just contacted them and i was like hey if you didn't have all this sexist content like i would promote the shit out of your page you know and they kind of like bickered with me and i was like all right well you know like you know i talked to them for a little while and i was like well you know if our brands are ever like more compatible you know get at me Uh, i did i i (laughs) i i liked it enough that i Debranded their stuff and threw it up in the story anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but then, like blink follow back. <laughs> it's it, um, it's all those all, all all those Animal Crossing ones with the Kazinsi quotes, like they're fucking hilarious. Um, but that dude's page fucking sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you like not uh, sexy yeah. stuff. So, uh, I know. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I didn't put it like on my, like like, only original content goes in my actual feed, but like I'll run other people's stuff in my, and like found content in my story a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I wasn't like, I I wasn't like stealing it. You know, I just like thought people would enjoy it. Uh, And so anyway, but, but didn't want to put like a a way to trace it back to like swell his, his page or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this has been going on for about an hour and a half now. I think this would be a pretty decent place to stop up. Sure. We would love to have you on again at a yeah, time man, if you'd be willing to come on. Um, 
we're gonna link we're gonna link all of Farrell's shit in the description. Go follow at Farrell Meme, F-E-R-A-L-M-E-M-E on Instagram. Follow them on Twitter. Um, everyone fucking loves Farrell. So <laughs> comments about how much you love Farrell. And if you go follow him on his Instagram, tell him that Brady and Art sent you. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. Want to say thank you to Farrell again for stopping by. We've had a great fucking time. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day.